worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Greetings! Comixology now has over 18,000 digital comics for sale with 800 free. Download us for the iPhone, iPad, Android, Kindle Fire, or the web for a true buy once and read anywhere experience. Comixology.com Oh, Kyle took a bullet for me. Now I got a rock for three. And those three are Jason DeLuna, Kevin Blythe, and Garrett Bruning. <laughs> and don't forget about Tenacious D. And this one goes out to them. Major <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 379 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Glad you could join us this weekend. We forgot to make my 365 joke. Quick discussion from uh, last episode, Matthew, uh, where Thanos had the Mm. Infinity Gauntlet and became all-powerful. This is going to be your little poll of the weekend. Who would win in this fight? Mm -hmm. Franklin Richards or Thanos? Go! Franklin Richards. Are you sure? Show your work. Yeah. Okay. Franklin Richards was born in 1965, which is before the Marvel Universe stopped aging. Thanos first appeared in Iron Man number 55, which I want to say took place somewhere in the early 70s, maybe 1974, 1975. I'm trying to remember. It doesn't matter. Iron Man number 55, first appearance of Thanos. So at that point in time, the Marvel Universe had already stopped moving. Therefore, since Peter Parker was in college and had been in college at this point for about five years in 1970, let's say three, Thanos is a creation of Franklin Richards. And thus, Franklin Richards will beat Thanos in a fight. All right, there you go. Rodrigo, for me. All right, cool. So, question for you, Rodrigo. Hello. So, a few years ago at the San Diego Comic Con, so walking down Artist Alley, and I see this Ron Lim guy. Mm hmm. Who did the art in the second half of uh, Infinity right, Gauntlet. Right. I was looking at his stuff and I'm like, hey, are you the same Ron Lim that did X-Mutants way back in the day? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, do you think, or would you be impressed if someone, you know, 20 years down the road from now, mm-hmm. when you've done some grand piece, mm-hmm. Red Tails 2. Right. If someone came up to you at at a screening or something where you're doing autographs and said, hey, didn't you used to do Sunflower Journeys or whatever that show was on Kansas Spotlight. Kansas Spotlight. Sunflower Journeys is our competitor. That's right. Yeah, jerk. I I was actually in Kansas Spotlight. Duh. Probably still re-airing that one. But I mean, so would that be impressive to you that somebody remembers your career that far back or would you go, oh, good Lord. Well, I wish that would just go away. I, I would imagine that it will be impressive to me in the same way that somebody walked up to me and said, like, hey, aren't you that same Rodrigo that used to get sent out of the classroom <laughs> all the time because you would commandeer the class and start talking about the whatever awesome fish you were into at the time? I specifically remember you talking about barracudas and how they were the most fearsome fish <laughs> in the sea. I really enjoyed that uh, lecture before you got tossed out of the classroom <laughs> by the teacher who wanted who just wanted to teach us about Mesoamerican currencies. Yes, I, that would be impressive. Would it be really? Or do um, you? Or would you? I mean, because same way when uh, first time I met Bill Willingham face to face, you know, I had copies of um, 
his Ironwood mm-hmm. title, which we've talked about before. I had a copy of um, Elementals, mm-hmm. and I had – I didn't realize it until after we were talking, but I, I had one other early piece of stuff before Fables was even right. really popular. And uh, he also did the art in the early Dungeons and Dragons books. Mm-hmm. And he seemed kind of surprised to see some of those things. And I was like, oh, well, this is kind of like a blast from the, the past. Yeah. Is Matthew or Rodrigo, would that, does that, do you think that impresses people that you have stuff from that far back when somebody might have been in obscurity like Ron Lim doing X Mutants or Willing Him doing <laughs> Elementals, although Elementals was relatively popular? Um, or is that something that it's just like, Hey, just stick to the current stuff and let's move along. I think it depends on the person. Um, and I think it depends on the work. It's like walking up to that guy with the crazy haircut and saying like, Hey, can you do, um, I ran, (laughs) um, you know, and then he's going to slap you in the face because that's what everybody asks him to do. And now he wants you to know his new stuff, Mm -hmm. um, for other people, you know, where it's like, Hey, you know what? I really liked you as the bassist for the Google Frogs. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, awesome. You know, you know my old band. That's right. great. You've been following me yeah, that exactly, long. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. It's like, good times, good times, man. Yeah, we should, like, smoke a cigarette or whatever cool people do. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'll take the filtered in. You can have yeah, the red in. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think it depends on the person and it depends on the situation. You know, you look at somebody like yeah. um, William Shatner... Anything you say, like his career has come into the spotlight so much that, you know, people know him for TJ everything. Hooker, now. TJ Star Hooker, Trek, Star Trek, The, the Practice, Zone, The Twilight the Rescue Zone. Rescue 911. Right. You know, everything and he's done is I mean, now out if you in look the at open. Like, like a comic example, Chris Ware, who now does Acme Novelty Library, his, one of his first works was something called Floyd Farland, Citizen of the Future. And reportedly, and this may be apocryphal, uh, supposedly Chris likes to find episodes, issues of Floyd Farland, Citizen of the Future, so that he can destroy them so no one can read the book. And it, it's it's one of those moments where you're kind of like, I can see, you know, being embarrassed. Recently, I was doing some uh, updating of my major spoilers profile, and I was really reading early stuff that I wrote in 2006, 2007, and dear God, I'm ob- obnoxious. Mm. And I'm just like, you know, my my new stuff isn't terrible like this. So I think if, you know, 16 years from now, when I'm president of Playboy, if you come to me and say, hey, remember when you used to write for major spoilers? I'm like, used to? I still do, but I hate that old stuff. You know, I would have that moment where my initial response would be defensiveness my second response would be why does it sound like a woman is sneezing in the background of every third show and my third response would come down to a question of i'm probably a little bit ashamed me personally anyway of that particular work because i'm always ashamed of my old work i always kind of go have you read the stuff i've done lately because i kind of like it better yeah, there's there's some of that going on, I think. And again, it it just totally depends. I think if you if you went up to Judd Winnick, you know, he probably gets a lot of like you ruined whatever comic he was writing. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, he probably gets significantly fewer, but much warmer. You know what I love, Barry Pedro. Weems. Oh, Pedro and me. That too. <laughs> yeah, Barry Weems. Well, I'm just I, you know but I wonder Barry because Weems is a great comic. Yeah, it is. Um, oh, I, I just yes. wonder because you know. To me, it's not just, let me find the most obscure comic by this person. It's, holy crap, Ron Lim, I've been following you since 86 when you first started. Or Bill Willingham, I remember when you were doing drawings of monsters in the Monster Manual. Uh, I I don't know. When people come up to me and say, man, I've been reading your stuff since, you know, 1995. I'm like, well, that's really cool. And then maybe I would say, like, Matthew, hopefully you're still reading stuff. Oh, you don't know that, Matthew. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's really cool when, when that happens. Um, but I don't know if, if all artists, I mean, sometimes people are just like, Oh, I wish people wouldn't talk about what was that other, not elementals, not ironwood. What was that other series Willingham did with the little devil baby? I want to say city something. Little devil baby. Eh, I'll have to go back and look. 
But yeah, sometimes yeah. I just get the feeling sometimes people are just like, oh, let's just Coventry. About that. Coventry. With a little devil baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a running gag at the comic store. There's an issue of Coventry in the back issue bins with the baby eating a severed human foot. Yes, that's the one. And the bosses like to pass it around and they like to give it to people and go, here's the issue of Coventry you wanted. And people go, <laughs> <laughs> that and an issue uh, an alf number one that's graded 9.8 that we've actually priced at thirty eight hundred dollars makes the rounds as well oh dude but we we totally didn't uh sorry this is just totally derails things but we forgot to talk about alf in infinity oh, yeah, gauntlet. Yeah, yeah yeah alf keeps showing up <laughs> in infinity gauntlet and they keep uh at one point uh uh puck or whatever the the little uh, Pip the troll. Pip, Pip the troll is like, oh man, with high class or highbrow humor like this, I'm surprised no one's. You know, I'm I'm impressed that people are able to handle it, keep it together during this uh, crazy time. Yep. But yeah, Alf. Because back then mm. Marvel, uh, I hey, mean, they Willie. might still Marvel had the rights to Alf. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Well, did you? Well, Marvel also uh, published two Howard the Duck appeared on a billboard in one of the street scenes as well. Yeah. Nice in that book as well. Howard the Duck, though, and Howard the Duck is an example that brings us right back into this because when I met Steve Gerber a few years ago, we talked about Howard the Duck. Previously, way back in the day, before there was the interweb, there was something called the Usenet, and on the Usenet there was a particular group, Rec Arts Comics Miscellaneous. Right, Steve Gerber, or someone who said he was Steve Gerber, I think it was Gerber. I can't say for sure showed up and was talking about, you know, at the time he was working on Sludge for Malibu. And he said, if you have any questions, go ahead and hit me up. And I'm like, can we ask questions about Howard the Duck? He's like, yeah, so long as you're still reading Sludge from Malibu. Mm. You know, he, he wanted to make it clear that Howard the Duck is a thing. He appreciates that you love Howard the Duck, but he's also still working. Right. And I think, you know, that there's kind of that that thing of if I'm, say, Jim Starlin, I'm still writing comics. So if you want to talk about Infinity Gauntlet or if you want to talk about, you know, Warlock from 1974, that's great. But I'm Jim Starlin and I'm also writing, you know, Kid Eternity or the things that I'm writing. I'm still putting out comic books and they are still partly my livelihood. So there's that question of, are you also still reading my stuff now that I'm not necessarily writing Infinity Gauntlet? So I... uh tweeted uh bill willingham as we're talking i guess this is one of the nice things about doing this clockwork storybook 30-day writing challenges i guess i'm on his uh, awareness list now Mm -hmm. but i just tweeted tweeted him and i asked the question are you embarrassed or impressed when someone comes up to you with an old copy of elementals and he says great grateful mostly Mm -hmm. uh and then i asked him about uh, ironwood i'm waiting to see if he'll reply back uh, to that but yeah, so I, I mean, I would, I, you know, if someone came up to me and said, hey, here's my... You know, I, I haven't, I, I, in the grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things, I haven't been working that long, especially not in a, in a pop culture uh, sense. Right. Um. So I don't have a body of work yet that people can come back and see, but I, I guess I can relate to it in, in this sense. Um. I'm on, I'm on a lot of the social networks. What? And... Um, he has the Google Plus, the Facebook. And the Facey Space? Yes, and the Twitter. And Facey every space. once in a while, <laughs> I will post something that I find interesting or crazy or ridiculous. And what right. I like to do a lot of the time is post haiku right. that I come up with yeah, randomly. you're brilliant at those. Um, well, thank you. Um, and the other day, I was doing a TV show about horses. I was, I was literally doing a show about horses. Right. And, oh, like... Horses, like the horse industry, is completely crazy. Like mm-hmm. they have their own weird secret cant about how they talk about horses. So I put some of these terms into a haiku, and I I, I made it a thing. And so so I post this haiku on Twitter about horses and about all, how Guess weird that one talking or, or uh, yeah on Google Plus um about how weird horses are right um and. I got, I think, two haiku responses to them, and they were both about Critical Hit, hmm. um, which is fine. And I love the fans of Critical Hit. Right. I'm glad that everybody's enjoying it. But I was like, guys, 
I want to talk about horses. Mm-hmm. You know, so I get that sometimes when I will just post something and somebody's like, huh, huh, like Randus. And I'm like, yes, Randus <laughs> is cool, but there's more to me than critical right, hit. Right, right, right. Let's uh, go over to the mailbag. Somebody said, well, how come you guys don't answer emails on the show? Because we're saving them up to just this moment. Yes. Yes, saving. I was talking with a friend. This comes from ba, 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 by from the Bear Jew, who yes. uh, works over at the Major Spoiler site. Muscle Rar. Muscle Rar. I was talking with a friend about the various Justice Leagues. First, we were talking about how ridiculous it is that America gets not only the Justice League America, but has Justice League Detroit as well. The rest of the world only has the much worse Justice League International and Justice League Europe. Then we realized it's a bash on how incompetent America is. The fact that one state needs more <laughs> protection than all of Africa, China, Japan, and Australia really says something about America. It says something about downtown Detroit, I'll tell you that. Or, well, what about... Chick Puncher uh, Detroit never sold well. I mean, Avengers have got the uh, 50 state initiative. Right. Can I have an Avengers team in every state? Uh, not anymore. What? Not well, anymore. they had. I mean, it was a... Not all concepts yeah, are going to last forever, just, but... You know, it's schmuckery. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't as a concept. It was, there was nothing wrong with it. I would say. You know, it came it on makes the sense. heels. Everybody wants. Yeah, wants their state protected. It came on the heels of of an event that kind of petered out and everything else. It could have been better, but it was a good idea. Now, as far as why does uh, the United States get uh, eight major superheroes protecting it and the rest of the world each country maybe gets one at most you got batwing for all of africa yeah pretty much exactly so um why does that happen well because the people writing it are americans and Mm -hmm. the people reading it are americans so they care about what happens in the united states you know where uh, a lot of telenovelas are set Mexico. What? You know why? Because they're made by Mexicans. <laughs> um now some of them take place Magnificos. in the uh, some of them take place in the United States and it is just hilarious. Hilarious all the stuff that they get wrong. I'm going to um, have to sit down with you sometime and and watch uh yes, Telemundo or uh Oh yes, you or, should because it is a trip. It is a different it is a different I try world. to have my my wife is trilingual. She speaks English, mm-hmm. Thai, and Spanish. She's mm-hmm. got actually a, an undergraduate degree. In Spanish. Nice. And so we used to, when we used to go to Kansas City all the time, we'd get to the hotel at night. And back then, Justice League was still on Cartoon Network. So we'd be able to watch like one or two episodes of Justice League. And then it's like, let's see the girls with the really big hooters over on Telemundo and see what kind of craziness is going on there. And then have that one wild, crazy game show. Where the it's like part variety show, part game show, part mariachi it's, band. It's Sabado Gigante. Oh yeah, Saturday is, night or whatever it is. It is the most gigantist. Uh, it's like if you think <laughs> about it, and of course we're completely off topic now. No, no, no. But uh, if you uh, here's how I I I put it to people. You know, you've heard about places like Australia and and New Zealand mm-hmm. where the the continent separated from each other right. and without competition from cats and dogs marsupials really thrive right, right? right. so you have dog like marsupials and cat like marsupials and flying marsupials and all this other stuff in latin america the variety show never died right right it's not like you know and and uh, by this comparison so saturday night live is like an opossum right mm-hmm. it's like the one marsupial that survived yeah that got away um but in mexico you know, that's that's what you get is there are still a ton of variety shows yeah, and yeah. variety shows are still viable. Music, music shows are still oh, yeah, viable. Yeah, yeah. Like your your American bandstand type show, mm-hmm. except it's a Mexican bandstand. Right. Are still. Right. Are, are what still, was, what's <laughs> the name of that show? It's like the big Saturday night show. It's Giant Saturday as well. Oh, okay. It's called Giant Sabado Saturday. Gigante. Okay. Sabado Gigante. That is so much Don, fun to watch. Don Francisco, the guy, the, guy, the, host, the conductor, the heavy, he's been the conductor heavy forever. Yeah. yeah, and he is ancient. Yeah, but he still looks pretty yeah, much the he same looks that like he he's always about 65. has. Yeah, and I could have swore that's why it's amazing because when I see him, it's like I swear I remember that guy from yeah, like from twenty years ago, seventy six. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just funny, just the way you know. Even if you don't speak the language, which mm-hmm. is part. I mean, even when I lived in. Um, in Irvine, I would flip over to the uh, Arab channel and then also to the Chinese channel and and try to figure out what was going on in those shows. And the same way with uh, the Telemundo is mm-hmm. I just want to see how do they tell a story if I don't understand the language? Can yeah. I still pick up everything that's going on? And yeah, you miss a lot of subtlety here and right, there. Right, right. But 
sometimes it's just right on. I mean, especially oh, if you just being engrossed for like a half hour of total immersiveness of a language, mm-hmm. I start to pick up on what's going on. Right, right. And it's just funny to just be, my wife would be sitting there and I'd be like, did he just say or ask about this? And she's like, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. And it's like, cool. So it's kind of weird. I don't know if, I mean, you being <laughs> multilingual, probably the same way where if you've not heard a language before, suddenly you're being immersed in French after about 30 um, minutes, are you able to understand kind of what they're saying? Yeah. Well, and I took French in, in high school. Oh, which well, again, okay. You know, so German. In high school. Um, well, I took German in college. So <sighs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I didn't. But yeah, I mean, when you, uh, when you see stuff in movies that doesn't have subtitles, there are usually, you know, very clear, you know, in, in movies in one language where they're using another language, they usually try to be very clear as to what's happening. Right. You know, and then you're like, oh, well, that's clearly happening. But yeah, I mean, you sit down and, and watch mm-hmm. a movie in any language that you don't understand and humans behave the same way from one mm-hmm. country to the other. There's subtleties. I still don't know what it means to kind of like lightly touch your eyelid for Koreans, but I see it a lot in K-pop. I think the so, they're crying. I don't I can't think believe so. I'm I don't doing know. Maybe, this. you know, they're smiling <laughs> while they're doing it. So if we have any Koreans out there or anybody who's into Korean culture, tell me what tell me what it means to kind of rub rub your eye a little bit I'm while sleepy. you're singing about a boy you like. <laughs> hey, major spoilers crew. My wife and I were talking comics, and she mas- asked me an interesting question that I did not know the answer to. This is probably a Matthew question. Is there an equivalent Avengers Assemble battle cry for the Justice League? I didn't think there was, but I figured if anyone knew, it would be you guys. Out of curiosity, if there is an official one, what would you guys think it should be? Thanks for all the great podcasts, Mike. Justice! <laughs> I think I, I think the I think the battle cry for the Justice League for the past maybe fifteen years has been Batman. No, <laughs> no, um, there's no official battle cry for the uh, Justice League. Most superhero groups don't have one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Avengers Assemble, and there's Titans Together. Marines have but I can't really off. think of well. You know, there's to me my X Men sort of, but yeah. only Charles Xavier can well, really to say some it. degree. Right. right. There's Wahoo if you're a member of the Howling Commandos, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But you know, Avengers Assemble is kind of a specific thing, and I I'm pretty sure that Titans Together is in fact an homage to Avengers Assemble. Mm-hmm. I think but, I think it would be. No, I don't it, think the Justice League has it. It would be funny though because the Justice League. Um, in in a lot of its iterations has been let's put the most popular guys which are very big iconic characters right. so it would be funny if you know they charge into battle and it's all just this mess of each one of them shouting their catchphrases <laughs> like you hear i'm the fastest man alive beware my power uh superstitious and coward or i am the knight if you <laughs> yeah. will up up and away suffering yeah. sappho <laughs> it just sounds it's like don't don't forget aquaman's catchphrase screw you adam yeah <laughs> we're not sure what it's all about but it dates back to the silver age so greetings major spoilers i, I just found your show about a year ago and i've been listening to ever since i currently listen to issue 260 you listen to, to be our show for an entire year and expect to be fully caught up oh, in man. about a month and a half if you don't mind i have three questions to ask and you must answer me these questions. <laughs> yes. First, what is your favorite color? Blue. No, red. Ah! Uh, question ah! the first. I know Matthew has said several times that ordering comics is a verbal contract, and it's bad not to buy things you order. However, what about when the comic guy is a slack ass? If I do decide I want something, I normally need to order it three times over three months, and if I'm lucky, I just might get it six months later. Would it be wrong for me during those six months... I'm waiting and I forgot I ordered something to buy it somewhere else if I happen to see it. Slack ass. Slack ass. That's going to be my new superhero name. Well, here's the thing. And oftentimes we forget that any contract is a two-sided affair. So when I say that it is a verbal contract and you're saying, I am committing to buy the greatest hits of Larry Hama, That guy is committing to get it for you. So if it takes six months to order something that isn't six months down the line, 
then I would say, yeah, maybe, you know, the other side, the, the retailer's side of that contract isn't being upheld. If you have to remind somebody repeatedly, now there's a caveat to this as well, but if you have to remind somebody repeatedly, hey, I wanted, you know, Atlas, Atlas Unleashed number one, and they're like, oh, right, 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 the Ayn Rand universe, and they don't get it for you until the third or fourth time, I would say, yeah, it's probably... I wouldn't say justifiable, but understandable that you might forget that you ordered it and then you picked it up at Hastings. But there's a caveat to that in that my my pull list is now down to a svelte two and a quarter pages. Mm -hmm. I get about 64 comic books a month. I'll get six to ten books every single delivery week. Now, Jim that uh, is a real estate novelist. No. Jim, who uh, is now the manager of Gatekeeper Hobbies, Huntoon and Gage, Topeka, asked me about our me. Jim has told me flat out, and I understand this. He's like, dude, you get 10 comics a week. I'm going to occasionally screw it up. Feel free to correct me, and I'll make sure to get it for you as quickly as possible. So, you know, at a certain point, you have to keep, you have to allow for those errors. There are going to be times when you're going to say, oh, crap, that came out two weeks ago. Can you order me one late? There are times when he's going to say, right, oh, crap, right. I forgot to order it. Well, and there could be times but where if every everything you order is late or if everything you order isn't coming in, you know. Yeah, I would I would be concerned about that, too. Now, the other thing, too, is there may be certain companies that just don't print a whole lot of stuff. So GG Studios stuff we've reviewed before, uh, Skeleton Story and uh, uh, Extinction Seed and some of those others. Mm -hmm. um, they may not have that much at the distributor to begin with. And in order to track down mm -hmm. that issue... Maybe that person is calling around to a bunch of other stores trying to find it and trying to locate it and get it to you. But if it's Justice League number four right, that just right, came out right. and you're waiting three months, mm -mm, bail boy. Yep. And and that's the and that's the thing yep. is yes, uh, saying that you're going like buying the things that you get on your pull list is a, a verbal contract and perhaps more importantly a social contract. But so is the timely delivery of that stuff within reason and if you feel that your comic book guy is being unreasonable then he has broken your contract it's as simple as that and there you go yep. words of advice from and rodrigo go. question the second i recently listened to the issue and, with the darkwing uh, duck review are you aware of the issue if the issues are available in a digital format anywhere I'm hesitant to try and order them at my local comic shop. <laughs> um, Darkwing Duck, I looked over at Comixology. Uh, Comixology is a sponsor of this podcast. Um, I don't see it over there at the Comixology store right now. Keep in mind, uh, in the digital format, keep in mind um, Boom Studios, who originally printed that, has lost the rights to Darkwing Duck, and right. that stuff has been reverted to Marvel, and Marvel hasn't made, Marvel slash Disney, Disney hasn't made a commitment as to what they're doing with that. However, we have seen Toy Story, and what was the other one? Muppets. Muppets. The Muppets have moved to Marvel. The yeah, Muppets, Muppets have moved to Marvel, and they have re-released those, so you may see in the very near future uh, Darkwing Duck. That being said, if you've got a bookstore, a B. Dalton, a Hastings, something like that, in your area, uh, go check out the kids section because they, at least our Hastings, has the kids comics back in the kids section. Mm -hmm. And that spinner rack still has Darkwing Duck stuff from Boom Studios from eight months ago. Right. So you might want to check that out. Nice. Question the third. The third. I'm, I'm slightly interested in trying to read the Green Lantern. What issue do you suggest I start at? May I start? Go right ahead. I suggest that you start with the easily available in trade paperback form Green Lantern Rebirth miniseries from 2004. Mm. Okay. Because it tells you what you need to know about Hal Jordan, who is now the be-all and end-all of the DC universe. Everybody loves Hal Jordan. Mwang, mwang, mwang. Let's kiss him <laughs> on the face. But it's also a point where Hal Jordan doesn't suck, so it's a good place to start. So you can go, hey, this guy is pretty awesome to the point where, you know, you can transition into other things and go, you know, when he starts to suck, then you can pick that point where he sucks enough to where you don't want to come back. But Green Lantern Rebirth is an excellent story. Very well done. Very well crafted. And again, an excellent jumping on point for Hal Jordan as he currently exists in the DCU. 
even okay. secondarily in the new DC. I was going to recommend uh, Emerald <laughs> Emerald Dawn, the first one. It's oh. uh, an oh. it's we reviewed it like decades ago it's, on the Major it's Spoilers podcast for the modern Green Lantern that's going on right now. It's been retconned though. Yeah, but I mean, it gives you kind of yeah, basically what Hal's about. Sets up what the uh, Sinestro is all about. Kind of starts setting that that stuff up early. I guess, um, but if, it's a good origin story yeah. of Green Lantern. I would say I, I read think that Earth does the same thing better, and and is the one that they're going with. It's mm-hmm. you know, if you're gonna start, you might as well yeah. go with Rebirth. If you're looking for other good Green Lantern stories, though, um, you might not necessarily go with that. If you just want to read, you know, what is out there that is good for Green Lantern, I would say. Um, Definitely, you're going for the big events. I would say Sinestro Core War was yeah, that's a little really bit good. better than the stuff that came after it, um, because it was all Green Lantern stuff. It wasn't. It didn't involve the right. other guys up until much later. Right. Um, I think, and and I forget. Oh, uh, is it Justice League Year One? Was that what that was? Or first year? Yeah, or something Justice like that? League Year One. Mark Wade. Right. Mark Wade's Justice League story. Where it's like Black Canary, Aquaman, Flash, and Green Lantern kind of creating the Justice League for the first time. You know, obviously mm-hmm. a retcon mm-hmm. kind of yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, of that story. It's got great character moments. It's got Hal Jordan being a jerk, but a jerk that you can kind of relate to and stuff like that. Not just like, I'm going to punch you in the face. Right. Kind of jerk wattiness. All right. Hey there, Stephen Matthew and uh, Rodrigo. Hey, that's me. I stumbled upon these fairly <laughs> old hey, videos. Hey, go. Fairly old videos on YouTube where this martial arts amateur film group did a live-action DC Elseworlds miniseries. It's kind of cheesy, but still pretty entertaining. Just thought you might be interested. I don't know if you've talked about this in the past. I just recently started over from the beginning and listened to your podcast from number one. After four weeks, I'm up to issue nine, 91. But is there any particular comic book story arc or series that you'd like to see more of in the form of fan films? No, that is a that is a complex question. <laughs> the, in that yes, there's uh, there's properties that I would like to see more of, but not in the form of fan films. Yes, there are plenty of properties that I would like to see treated as a movie, mm-hmm. but not as fan films. Yes, and not to disparage people who make fan films. Uh you know, there's some really great stuff. Some of the Star mm-hmm. Wars stuff that they do over at the Force.net. Some of that is awesome. Yep. Uh, when you see. Um, so Felicia Day do the uh, oh what's that series that they just released not too long ago I forget what it is oh, it's, it's one like of those dragon something Dragon Age dragon yeah Age. Dragon Age dragon. that's really great and that is essentially a fan film right uh, when you see that Elf Quest trailer that's online mm-hmm. that's a fan film yeah that and, stuff and looks great the, I think the Elseworlds thing that he's talking about we had on the site right they're the ones where that has like Cyborg and mm-hmm. Mr Terrific yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Donna Troy. You know, when you look at uh, at uh, Dead End Alley, the Predator alien Batman piece, Mm -hmm. and when you look at uh, Grayson, those fan film trailer things, Mm -hmm. I think those are fine. But for the most part, every time I look at something that's a fan film, no thank you. It's, yeah. It's rough. It's rough. It's, you know... Right now on the internet, you can find everything. You can find things that yep. are very low quality and things that are very high quality. And the problem with fan films is that they approach that high quality mark, mm-hmm. but they don't quite get there. Now, if 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 it moves you in your soul to do to to put on a yellow do rag and cut eye holes on it and beat up your friends as Iron Fist, then by all means do I, it. I saw do a it, fan film. Do it before Sopa kicks in. Certainly, um, <laughs> I saw a fan film. It was a Batman and Robin, and Batman was literally wearing black sweatpants, mm-hmm. baggy black sweatpants, and the Halloween top, Bat- yeah. the cowl with the right, emblem, right. and that was it. And that, and that was his Batman were, costume. Were they being serious about it? They were being very serious oh, about it. Yeah, that's that's rough. And the Robin character, and it's all like wide shot. You can tell they were doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, Robin, we need to practice. And they both just take off their shirts and start dancing around, you know, the, the ring at, at one another, and don't even do any martial arts. And they do that for like two and a half minutes, flexing their muscles and just doing this dance. And it's just like, okay, no, nice. this is not what a fan film should be. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing is, it, it is funny that 
you're like, do you want to see more fan films? And again, fan films are all over the place. Right. Do I want to see a short that has, you know, any given superhero in it? Sure. I want to see your, you know, uh, Wonder Woman, you know, because we're not getting a TV show now. Nope. You, it, I want to see a professionally produced short form Wonder Woman piece. Certainly I do. There was but a- I want to see it professionally produced. And if you're um martial arts group slash uh you know film company Theater is good team. enough right. to do it professionally, then by all means do it. Uh DC might step in and give yeah. you a cease this and is, desist. You know, I like fan films because it is the fans saying, Hey, let's create. Yeah. But at the same time, you know what would be even better so that you could actually make money? Do your own thing. Do your mm. own thing. Matthew thoughts? <laughs> Well, honestly, I'm I'm going to go against my usual uh, framistatory because I'm not a big fan of adaptations of comics. And the reasons why is because it's so often a specifically driven corporate thought process of let's make sure that we're doing something that is as middle of the road as possible. Um, for instance, I believe that Curse of Fatal Death is a better Doctor Who movie than the 1995 Fox Features Doctor Who movie. It is, it's more true to the concept. It's more loving. It's more, you know, respectful of the continuity and the material. So there are things I would love to see. I would love to see a competently done fan film of Legion of Superheroes Volume 3, number one through six, the battle, the war with the Legion of Supervillains, where Karate Kid dies, where the supervillains take over Orando. Lightning last gets her powers back, but you need 50 guys. And, you know, that would be something that I would I would really enjoy because I know there are Legion fans out there who would go, heck yeah. Or, you know, a telling of the first 12 issues of Marvel's Ghost Rider where Johnny Blaze is fighting capital S Satan and he saves he, he gets saved by a guy who is clearly but not legally for suing purposes. Jesus. Well, but see, that's you know, the thing. I mean, when you do I w- something of your I'd love own, to see those stories. When you do something your own, though, you own it. So create your own superhero. Well, create uh, your own story. Here's the thing, though that that is harder than it sounds, and you yeah, can you, you can think, see that yeah. that's harder than it sounds by the fact that a lot of the quote unquote original superheroes out there, right, the cape are. Well, yeah, I mean, the cape is a good example to a certain degree because it's not really doing anything new. It is mm-hmm. kind of piecing together a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of different things. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about something that is like, you know, who is like, um, and and you'll know who this is when I mention it. Not Captain America, Matthew, and Extendo Girl. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Ghost Spider Man, right? Um. You know, stuff like that. Oh, uh, the Hulk with two T's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that. They're not actually original <laughs> characters. Right. It, it it's, yeah. it's harder than it sounds to come up with an original concept that does, you know, its own thing. So, you know, uh, did you ever see Finding Forrester? Yes. There was that scene where the guy Forrest is like, Forrester. start copying this book. Right. And then eventually just take it in your own direction. So to a certain degree, you know, writing fan fiction, writing your own thing about what would Cyborg do if he lost his arm and got replaced by a um, Mega Man X Buster. You know, go go from that and eventually, you know, use that, use that experience to do your own thing eventually once you get comfortable sure. writing and, and, and thinking about things like that. Um so so that's that's the that's the main defense that I see for, you know, people doing fan films. Yeah, it's an easy universe. I mean, certainly yeah. with Star Wars, you have basically carte blanche to do whatever you want yep. in the Star Wars universe and creating Star Wars fan films because George Lucas has said, "Do it." Yep. He ge- he says, "You want sound effects? I give you official sound effects. Yep. I will judge your Star Wars fan films for you every year." You know, so that you know, he does have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those are blessings, but really with what happened with Sandy Cholera, um, and with what's happened with some of the other fan film creators, 
really, in my opinion, at the height of the quality of the fan film in like 2007, 2008. And then what's happened afterwards is just really kind of a shame. Uh, you know, granted it's copyright. You can't sell that. You're not making money off of it, but to crack down the way some of those companies did is, I don't know, somewhat shameful. Nearsighted. Yeah. Nearsighted. I mean, it's interesting because it's interesting that this has come up and the conversation has taken this direction because, uh, I was actually working on a story not too long ago and I was contacting many of the companies saying, what is your stand on the fan film? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, when you get up to some of the very big publishers, and I won't mention their names, but there are two really big publishers, uh-huh. their responses are, we have no comment. And then when you get down to some of the smaller publishers, they're like, hell yeah, go for it. Yep. You know, we don't care as long as you're not, you know, doing something that's going to put the characters in bad light. Go for it. Now, obviously, and then, of course, they always follow up with an email later going, uh, what we honestly mean is as long as you're not trying to make money off of it, we're right, okay right, with right, it. Right. But, you know, a lot of the companies really embrace this the same way that I think uh, a lot of the publishers will turn an eye towards the artist alley and commissions that are done. Well, uh, and 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 I know that this is yet taking another uh, direction here, right. but how is it? Like, I, I have often wondered, you know, the and, and I don't mean to call anybody out, but this is what's kind of present in my mind right now. I can only imagine that that awesome Doctor's Eleven t-shirt mm-hmm. that has all the Eleven Doctors, like, kind of doing the power walk. Right. Um, I, I imagine that the BBC is getting zero money for that. It depends. That's, and that's I don't, like I don't know which company who sells that. Doing that. I mean, I've seen... Especially Doctor Who stuff, I have seen tons, some of it, like and I was, tons of Doctor Who stuff. And I was like, "There's no way all this stuff is licensed." Well, some of it you can say you can make a blue cup, blue coffee mug with mm-hmm. white sans serif font, right. and say, "I am the Doctor." Right. And you might even have a little police light at the top, right? Police box light. Sure, sure. Not saying it's Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. The font isn't, you know, copyright BBC. Right. But then I've seen some other stuff, especially Think Geek. I was just over there the other yeah. day looking at stuff. And they have Doctor Who merchandise, and they specifically say this is licensed stuff. So when you're right, seeing a right. T-shirt and when you're seeing it, you know, there you go. Some people could say it's original, you know, mm-hmm. derivative mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's that derivative work thing that really... Uh... Yeah, that kind of protects them. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's reasonable. Well, and it's also, it's also you know, the bigger you are, the more the more you have that responsibility. As they always say, any and all copyright issues must be addressed immediately, or else you might, you know, somewhere down the line, you might lose it. Right. And I think that's why you know the bigger companies go, no, bad, bad human. But right. I'm almost certain that the Doctor's Eleven shirt. The thing about it is it doesn't feature – it's actually cool. It doesn't feature specific photorealistic references. It's kind of – it's a black and white image, and you can look at it, and you can clearly see who's who. And you know who's who. It's that red one over there. But there's nothing there that flat out says this belongs to the BBC. And if you look closely, Colin Baker's coat is not shown. And, you know, there is no sonic screwdriver. There's no TARDIS. There's nothing other than the implication of these characters resemble these 11 actors. They're all wearing costumes resembling what those costumes wear. But it's not a Doctor Who font. And it's not something that is saying this is official Doctor Who merchandise. It's a referential thing. I mean, they're not claiming. But but that's the thing is they're not claiming that it's official because, you know, in the end, I don't think fans really care if something's official you know some do but if you if if i have a t-shirt that has a, a fez on it and it says i wear a fez now fezes are cool it's clear that that's a reference to doctor who right um but so you know and, and if that t-shirt is sold by someone they are making money from the fact that i watched a doctor who episode mm-hmm. um and the bbc right. is not seeing that money yeah, I'm glad we're not this this company. No, because I don't want to get that cease and desist desist in uh, lawsuit mean, letter. Yeah, you know it's that one. That one in particular. You know, you can 
you can get away with a lot of stuff. Even even something like what I mentioned, you know, the fezes are cool thing. You mm-hmm. just have a shirt that says fezes are cool. You can get away with that. Oh, sure. Some people would see it as a reference. You can argue that it's not. Oh, yeah. Fezes um, aren't owned by the BBC. Yeah, certainly. Exactly. Certainly not the fez I'm but, wearing right but now. But this it's one, the Doctor's the Eleven shirt, mm-hmm. it is really, it's, really it's suggestive. Probably, yeah. But, you know, you see people do Dalek uh, renderings and sell those things, and those aren't yeah, licensed, too. So. so I don't know. I guess uh, you got to wait till you get sued and then get it. Uh... And and I'm not saying they shouldn't get away with that. I'm just saying, how are they getting away with that? It's a good question. Why don't you contact this Stephen uh, Thibba, Thibbadoo and uh, and ask him? I don't. I I don't. I don't want to be that guy that draws attention to it. Although I guess I just said it on a podcast. So Way to go! I have Rodrigo. set the wheels in motion. Season this is letters for everybody. <laughs> Greetings! I just discovered your website, and wow, what amazing place! I was reading an August 7th, 2011 review of a short-lived 70s series named Hell Rider, and I was surprised to see that it contained a backup series featuring featuring an African-American superheroine named Butterfly. I always assumed that Marvel Storm was the first black female superhero. True or false, Matthew? Oh, no way. False. Butterfly the first? I don't believe she is, actually. I'd have to do some uh, arguing. Butterfly was 1971 because both of the issues of Hellrider came out in 71. Storm was 75. Um, let's see. I guess it depends on your definition of superhero. Um, probably Nubia, if you count her, who was Wonder Woman's pal, who was an Amazon. Um, but yeah. She definitely predates Storm, I believe. No, Vixen doesn't predate Storm. Hmm, Butterfly may be the first black female superhero. I was wondering, uh, Damon continues, if you have a full body head-to-toe picture of Butterfly. Assuming that you have those two issues. I sure do. I think I'd like to commission a picture of her, and I'd need to use that as a reference. Well, what I recommend... The internet. Um, yeah. The internet. Uh, Butterfly was published by Skywald, S-K-Y-W-A-L-D Publications. If you go to any search engine, and I do not have a specific one that I recommend, and enter Skywald Publications Butterfly, you will find a number of links. One of them might take you to a site, and I won't tell you the name of it, but it's about international heroes. And there is... Uh, you, you'll find a lot of helpful images there. If you look under Skywall, there may be an image of Butterfly on that particular website. If you just enter Skywall Publications Butterfly, I'm sure something will come up. I don't know how big it'll be. Yeah, make sure you got your I safe search on. I do have a full body shot of her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do have a full body shot of her because I have both of the issues of Hellrider. And you don't. And I'm not a cocky bastard. But also, you know, worst case scenario, if it comes down to it, Hellrider has a hyphen in it on uh, any auction site. Uh, some might have a hyphen in them. Some might not. You can look up uh, Hellrider back issues. Honestly, depending on, you know, what the availability is, you probably won't spend more than 25 bucks. You can probably find Hell Rider somewhere in a decent oh, yeah. shape you, for you 10, Just do a, do a search butterfly hell hyphen rider, and the first image that pops up in the image search is the entire uh, full body, head to toe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there you go. There are actually a couple of uh, really good shots of, of uh, butterfly. I believe the art on Hell Rider's back issues with butterfly was, no, oh, I can't remember his name now, some dude with a guy and he had a pencil and he drew a picture. <laughs> Dear major spoilers. Sorry. This is so late for the listener feedback show, but I have hey, a you made it in time for the continuity. next feedback show. I've been trying to catch up on all the shows I missed before I subscribed to the podcast in episode 61, man, everybody's going back and listening to old shows. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. See this, that's that uh, question that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. In uh, episode 61, y'all, this is from Chris. Y'all, Spoke of continuity in Steven. between all the story arcs and all the major events in a character's life. And I guess I will have to develop my own continuity for the characters I follow. My question has more to do with concurrent continuity as opposed to sequential continuity. For example, there are several DC mm-hmm, New 52 mm-hmm. Batman titles out. Are they all following the same continuity? 
If Batman gets punched in his man ovaries in Detective Comics, does he need to ice them in Batman and Robin, or does he pee blood in Batman? I know most of your listeners are experienced comic readers, but as a noob, I'm curious, and maybe there are other curious noobs out there as well. Thanks again for all you do. That's from Chris. Um, you know, comic, you know, Batman pees blood, <laughs> piss blood tonight. I got to call, got to call Dick about this tomorrow. Um, you he know, the thing is Dick. when, when you read, I don't know, when you read any comic book, there may be something that is 24 issues long to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Those 24 issues mm-hmm. may occur in the span of one day. Right. Or one week. Right. Or they could take place over the course of two years. Right. You know, look at uh, the long Halloween. Right. Good, ex- good example. Right. An entire year in so 12 if stories. 12, 12, 12 issues. issues. Or 13, I guess, if you count the. So if Batman on Thanksgiving gets his kidneys punched by, uh, who's down in the sewer? Uh, Solomon Grundy or is mm-hmm. it, I forget, or, Killer Croc? One of those two. Um, when you go over and jump into the Batman book, that may be taking place in April. Mm-hmm. over the course of a month in April. So they wouldn't be right. in sequential continuity. The only time you really see that happen is when there's a huge tie-in series, like the upcoming uh, Court of Owls thing that's going to be coming up in the DC universe, where mm-hmm. Batman will tie to Detective, which will be tied to Batwoman, which will be tied to uh, Batwing, and so on and so forth. There you will probably see the well, effects of one that... hitting the effect of the other. Right. That's um, now. Here's... Here's what here's what I would say is probably a good way of thinking about it. Um, in your family somewhere, you probably have a relative, like an uncle or something like that, that tells uh, stories. And these stories are about the stuff that he did and maybe the stuff about what, like, your dad was doing. So, you know, he tells you a story and he's like about him, how him and your dad once saw this guy steal somebody's bike. So he got on the bike and then your dad jumped into like like got on behind you know with his feet on those things that speak out like, what, what do you call those kickstands no i don't know what no no, no the little spokes on the wheels yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just i know what you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah just hopped on there and your uncle was pedaling 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 and they caught that guy right and later on he tells you a story about how um when your dad got his first car and about he how your uncle almost totally wrecked it you know that kind of thing so you gotta, and then he tells you a story about how they were in his car and how your dad was totally hitting on this girl that was really not your mom at all, right? You can tell that the bicycle story must have happened probably before the him hitting on the girl story, right? Right, because after that, your dad had a car. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how you have to approach this. Is unless there's a specific reference, the story could have happened at any time in Batman's history. Right. So Detective Comics number forty-seven comes out of the same month as um, Batman Dark Defender seventeen, but they're not happening simultaneously, obviously, because it's right. the same character. Totally. That Detective Comics story might have. Uh, I just off the top of my head, that Detective Comics so story would be a great title, wouldn't it? Yes, would have. Could no. have come out, could have happened in continuity um, two years before the events of uh, Dark Defender. But if nothing tells you otherwise, you just have to assume that they're more or less happening around the same time. Yeah. Until Batman says, well, two years ago, I fought Killer Croc in the sewers. And you're like, you know, editor's note, see Batman... Um, Strange Victory number 17. Oh, also then, another yeah, great Yeah, Strange title. Victory was a good one. Um, and then you're like, oh, well, this definitely happened after the events of Strange Victory. And that's kind of how you got to approach it, I think. <laughs> yep. Butterfly in, in debuted... The, back in the day... I was going to say, Hellrider Butterfly debuted in uh, Hellrider one. number 171. Predated Marvel's Storm by four years and DC's Bumblebee by five years. There you go, Butterfly. Butterfly in Number the one. sky. Although Nubia did predate both of them. The thing about it is what you're describing, uh, faithful spoilerite whose name escapes me, what you're describing, Ricky, is Chris. the Bronze Age Marvel Universe. Kyle. The Bronze Age Marvel Universe, and this came about Chris. after years and years of kind of negative continuity. Yeah, Jimmy. Um, 
<laughs> in the Silver Age of DC Comics specifically, things would happen that would never affect things. And it would be Superman, Superman does this, and at the end of the issue, everybody loses their memory because of orange kryptonite. The Marvel Universe, when it created, when it was created in the 60s, started to turn into this so that by the 1967, 68, you know, in that era, these stories were carefully constructed. And by the time Jim Shooter was in power at Marvel around 1984, you would see this happen. There's a story where they, uh, Reed Richards has his arm broken. And Reed Richards wears his arm in a sling for several months of Fantastic Four. And you can tell when he appears in other books that this is concurrent because Reed Richards has his arm in a sling. And, you know, the Hulk broke his leg at the end of uh, Secret Wars, and the Hulk had a broken leg when he came back to Earth. So you can kind of follow where those Hulk stories are. It's fallen out of fashion for two reasons. One, it requires that you have a manageable number of titles, which really most shared universe companies don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, even guys like, you know, Dynamite, even guys like IDW who have multiple little shared universes generally don't have four or five core titles they can work with. Maybe the Kirbyverse or the the new Atlas titles. But it's also a question of it requires somebody to be overseeing everything. In the Marvel Universe right now, you actually get negative continuity where the same month a few years ago, we had an issue where Man Mountain Marco appeared in an issue of X-Men as a guy who wanted to be a singer and also appeared in an issue of uh, Thunderbolts as this, uh, you know, this badass enforcer for Norman Osborn. Both of these stories seemed to take place seemingly concurrently in continuity, but couldn't happen. Minor villain, Man Mountain Marco, who would know that there were two stories to be told about this guy at all, much less two stories to be told. Where's the editorial team? Where's the editorial team that's going through and saying, oh, Mad Marco is already being... Being used over there in there are uh, Amazing Spider Hand. Well, and that's and that's the other thing is that's exhausting. It's exhausting to keep track yeah. of every little character, and you you literally cannot. You would have to well, hire are, as know, many editors as you have writers. Well, to I know keep at track DC they do have that in place to where you can say, "Oh, I'm thinking of uh, writing a story that features the Batmite." No, 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 no. You can't do Batmite because they've got Batmite uh, appearing in two months right, over right. there in that they, other book. So they there is have some that of that. Marvel too, but. It's no more successful at DC than it True. is at Marvel. Because when the solicits for Batgirl or Birds of Prey number five came out with Batgirl on the cover, the writer of Batgirl went Bahamana. Right. Publicly. So, I mean, it's not as though DC's house is entirely in order, Mr. I Love Batman. No, no, no. I'm just saying, <laughs> but I know I know for a fact that they do have someone over at, at DC that's supposed to be keeping track of that. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they do or not, that's a different story. But well, and back to Chris's well, question. We're talking Man Mountain Marco here. We're talking exactly. you know, minor league. Man Mountain Marco, in the greater scheme of things, when Marvel puts out 50 bucks per month, 50 books per month. It's not worth your time and effort to say, let's figure out Man Mountain Marco. It's easier to say after the fact, you know what? Man Mountain Marco gave up his singing career. These stories didn't happen concurrently. And somewhere later, Man Mountain Marco ended up working for Norman Osborn. We love you the end. If you ever read the Marvel Universe handbooks these days, since about 1996, Marvel Universe handbooks are an endless series of, and then this happened and was undone, and then this happened and didn't really happen, and then this may or may not have happened, but we can't figure out where it happened, which is fun. Lots of fun for me, because I just point and laugh. And... All right, everybody, those are the questions that we have in our mailbag. If you want to send us an email, just send them to podcast majorspoilers.com we appreciate all of the emails that we get and the ones that uh have some great uh conversation material we will talk about in a future so show okay gotta go get some sleep gotta do some editing gotta go uh, bust some heads later so that's it for this week tune in next time will when you will hear rodrigo say uh batman nightwing city of night best batman crossover ever why because we know that you love comics and we do too and we will talk with you soon. 
Greetings! Comixology now has over 18,000 digital comics for sale with 800 free. Download us for the iPhone, iPad, Android, Kindle Fire, or the web for a true buy once and read anywhere experience. Comixology.com If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 whoa. what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2012.